All right, so let's talk a little bit about the markets here. Welcome to Bull Bear Radio. Market pricing's nuts. Each week, we catch up with WBI's experts, Matt and Don Schreiber. Down 77%. You know what you need to recover from that? A miracle. WBI brings you wealth-building market insights. Hi, I'm Matt Schreiber, and this is Bull Bear Radio. Hey, it's season three here, episode number one. We've been doing, we've been turning these things out for a while here. So, uh, I think I got the dividend doctor. Is the dividend doctor in here? Don Schreiber, you out there? Don Schreiber's here. All right, Bull Bear Radio, baby. We're all accounted for. Uh, I'm well caffeinated as usual. Don, how are you doing? I'm a bull today. You're a bull. Yep. Okay, hopefully, today. hopefully we're not full of bull, but jeez. <laughs> you know, so, dude, been a couple of weeks since the last time we got around here and did a little bull bear radio, and a lot going on. I mean, seemed like all, it was all quiet on the Western Front, and then all of a sudden we had all this tariff talk. $50 billion, $100 billion, lots of money. China. Yeah. In the, in the crosshairs. For sure. And, and they came back and they said, hey, man, you want to do tariffs? We're going to, you know... We're not happy. We're gonna we're gonna put it right back on you, bro. Yeah, we're gonna we're we're gonna make it hurt. So you know, you got that. You got a little Brexit. It's been you know rolling around out there. Can they do that thing? And then, you know, some like uh, spy gets killed on a you know uh, a British doorstep or whatever, and you know more Russia Russia talk there. Russia. And then man, Russia is Russia. popping up Syria. everywhere. Syria. We we yeah. I mean you know Syria's popped up. Chemical Chemicals. chemical weapons uh, were were utilized on uh, citizens there. Whether it was uh, you know the Assad regime or not, or or you know has remained to be seen at this point. As of the taping, I know there's blood samples, all kinds of stuff. Russia sent diplomats over there so that we wouldn't lob missiles out prematurely and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's getting a little heated. Do you think some of this news could, you know, geopolitical risk that's back could move markets? You know, the funny thing is, in the beginning of February, you know, investors, for the first time in a long time, started to pay really uh, attention to this negative news flow. But the last couple of weeks, you know, the market goes down 500 market points. goes up. And then it goes right back up. And, and then, then it goes down. down. Then it goes back up. Tariffs. It goes down. It goes down. back up. If you would think And that then a couple of days later, everything calms down. Then we start talking about tariffs again. And So know, volatility. Moly. Volatility is high. As a matter of fact. Whew. Matter of fact. Dude, volatility. The king. The king of passive investing. Who's the king? Elvis? The passive investing king. Maybe, maybe we wish it was Passive indexing, baby. Been around for a long time. 60 plus years in the market says that he has never seen this kind of volatility in his career. Yeah, well, then you got the, you know, the, the dude you know, that runs the other largest asset manager on CNBC at the beginning of this week. And he's like, uh, dude, it's such a shame. Yeah, markets are all close to all-time highs still. And yeah, the markets could push higher here. But we do think there could, could be risks to the downside. And, you know, hey, it's a shame when people bail and fail on their investment strategy like they did in... You know, 2008, they, they moved to cash. They missed that, uh, you know, upside in 2009 and 10. What a darn shame, right? Well, you know. It, so his recommendation was to buy and hold no matter what. Yeah, no matter what. No matter what. Don't peek at that statement, man. No because, matter what. But people you know, don't do that. They looked. And if they've lost 40 or 50% of their capital, they make a very logical decision, you know, to, uh, to move to cash. 
Absolutely. As a matter of fact, survival instincts will push you to cash. The thing is, is that over the last 10 years, we haven't seen a lot of downside volatility. We typically see volatility more frequently than this. Yeah, well, you know, uh, if you look at uh, Capital Group, the American Funds family, and we don't we don't mind, you know, looking at other people's data because it's good. We should have our eyes wide open when investing. That's why we do the radio show here. We're trying to help uh, investors and advisors do better. That's also why we do so much research. Right. We take all this information in and we try to make sense of it for investors. And by the way, this is public. better products. And by the way, this is this is publicly available, this podcast. It's on iTunes. It's on Google Play. If you're an advisor listening to this, your client can listen to this. Send them a link. You know, hopefully some of this data and information is helpful. But going back to Capital Group real quick, right? Every year, you're actually supposed to have a 5% decline three times a year, I believe. 10% every year. This we just had This one. is according to their study, right? This is according to their study. It goes all the way back to, uh, you know, to like 1900 or something. Um, and so it takes into account a very long period of time, uh, what markets do. 15% decline happens every two years on average. Every three and a half years, a 20% decline. I think you saw something recently that bear markets, when we do go bear market, 20 plus down, the average decline is like insane, isn't it? Yep. A great study that was in Advisor Perspectives by Doug Short and uh, Jill Maninsky put out a study. For, since 1870, they went back and they looked at every bear market cycle, and they said that the average decline across those 19 bear market cycles, which essentially means that about every seven years on average, you get a major bear market cycle, it was down 64%. And that's not what people were thinking about. They're thinking that they make it at down 10. We hear it every day in the news media. Down 10, oh my God, people get scared down 10. Down 15, oh my God, oh my God. Hey, listen, the average yeah. bear market decline was minus 64. Check out the study. Google it, Google it, man, Google, Google it. it. Yep, that's hey, what man, Google's this, for. It's important. People have forgotten. And by the way, they've been they... in an up market trend for 10 years without any serious downside. And guess what? The average decline will rip people's financial life apart again yeah especially if they're in passive product they're going to get, you get what the market gives you yeah. yeah i mean i mean so so they were saying that hey look you can't time the markets that's what these guys were saying you just have to you know grit and bear it um you know so we we did a little bit of a study we went back to 1950 we took a look at if you invested in the Dow and you bought and hold, what's $100,000 do over that time frame? Well, why we use such a long time frame? You get good markets, bad markets. It's, 65 plus years is about a, an investor's lifespan these days. You go from you know making some money when you're in your early 20s and starting to invest from 25, you know, uh, and and it takes you all the way through you know um, early 90s. Yeah. Um, so anyway. You go, uh, you buy and hold, 100000 goes to $12.3 million. I'd be pretty happy with that. How about That's you? That's a Dow Jones Industrial Average. That's a Dow Jones. 100000 1950 to the end of last year. So that's pretty good, but you have to hold through those down 40s or 50s. I mean, we just had one in 2008. And we know, because we've looked, the Investment Company Institute, which keeps track of mutual fund and ETF flows, shows what people do people when markets bail are and under fail. Pressure. They make the logical decision. They sell low. And, and they, then they wait four years on average, and then they buy back. And they don't buy low; they buy high. The one thing, and I this is what the fellow was saying on CNBC. Yeah, he was referring to those flows. You shouldn't do that. You should buy and hold. This study that we have on our website, that's um, 
the ugly truth about buy and hold. We just updated this. Yeah, or go, you know, if you're looking at our products, go to the retirement income strategy. It's called the Portfolio Spotlight. It's on the first page in there, too. But this is very widely quoted today by the rest of the industry. And what it shows is that if you bought and hold, as Matt said, 100000 goes to $12 million. Hey, if you missed the best 10 best quarters in this case. Yeah, you don't hey, want you to know, do that. If you miss the 10 best quarters, 100,000 goes to 2.4. That's where the study always stops. 2.4 million dollars. Yeah, well, 100,000 so, so to 2.4. So if you do miss the up the up days, right? The Stinks. powerful quarters, Hate in it. this case not days, but quarters, that the idea of doing a study about the most powerful 10 days of a market cycle. The oh, average man, market they, cycle's 3900 days. Dude, so you know, you can see this too. Like I you know, I go on LinkedIn and I'm looking at what other people are doing, other investment companies and such, other banks. They're putting this out. I mean, I've seen them all over the place. Like, you can't time the market. If you miss the 10 most powerful up days or the 20 or the 50, like, you just shouldn't invest, dude. You got to buy and hold. Uh, well, you don't buy and hold through down 50. Now, the studies never did. Well, what if you miss the 10 worst quarters? What's, well, what effect does I, that have on we capital? We did this study about 30 years ago. I wondered... If you went a little further and you looked to see, is it ten missing the ten worst quarters more powerful or less powerful than trying to get all of the upmarket gains by staying invested in buying and holding, knowing that people don't buy and hold? Yo, it's called compounding, folks. If you can maintain capital by missing the best ten quarters, your hundred thousand grows to eighty-seven million. Missing the ten worst quarters, ten I'm worst sorry. quarters. You you miss the ten worst quarters, and you get all the upside, which is if if well, that statistically that's probably impossible. I'm trying right. to make we're trying to make make a, a point, point here. Right, missing the down market is seven times more powerful, more impactful to your investing success than getting all of the up market and trying to buy and hold, which we know people don't So do let's well. look at something more realistic. What if you miss the 10 most powerful up quarters and you miss the 10 most powerful down quarters? What's that effect have on so capital? So this idea that you can't time the market is that if you're trying to miss the downside... You're going to miss the most powerful you'll upside. You'll miss the upside, right. right? But in fact, our study shows, and we've done this again... Again and, and again, yep. Over 30 years, the last 30 years we've done this study. Yep. The $100,000 goes to $17 million, which is 40% more than buy and hold. Yeah, the buy and hold was $12 million, and throwing out the 10 best quarters, because they're trying to miss the 10 worst quarters, 100000 goes to $17 million. I mean, sounds like a pretty good deal to me. I mean... That's that's what you should try and do if you're an investor, right? So the big market story has been, you know, low cost passive, buy the passive because the passive is outperforming active. And there's been this huge crowded trade and people getting into passive, even with asset allocation. The problem with this modern portfolio theory, which was is de was developed on the back of Harry Markowitz's work in 1952 through 60, which he won a Nobel Prize for in the late 90s, I believe. Yep. The study was done about the efficient frontier and, you know, a long, long time ago, diversification and correlation in the early 50s. This thing is 70 years old. It's no longer modern. It's and it's called historic or or antique, potentially. Right. <laughs> antique. So, so it's an antique. It might be antique, but it might be an rate, antique. It's like we, a historic automobile. We can observe anybody who's been in the business a long time. That gets historic plates and has seen a couple of market cycles and has watched their clients struggle to buy and hold, and then only to bail at the bottom and then sit on the sidelines in cash because they're afraid to reinvest, knows that 
because we haven't had a bear market, we're probably going to have a pretty big one when it does come yeah. apart. And you want to have a plan. You want to be able to mitigate risk. The passive trade, the time for the passive trade may be just about over. Well, you know, one thing you can do is take a look at the the funds that you might have in your portfolio. Go to, you know, uh, activeshare.info and you'll see how highly correlated your, your ETF is to a particular index. Um, so, hey, look, you know, markets year to date, right? They were up huge in January, end of February, uh, or end of end January, early February. Uh, we give back those gains. There's been a lot of volatility since. The VIX index is up. The fear fear uh, gauge, you know, uh, is up over 50% as we're taping this. That's a lot of volatility. And a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, value is down for the year. Value stocks for the most part. I mean, and and, and not a little bit. They're down yeah, quite gr- a bit. Mid-single you know, digits the, for the year the, right the, now. The growth and momentum and That's tech stocks. faded. It's been that, a tech wreck recently That was with this. the Facebook, Cambridge Analytica, potentially hitting Amazon hard with, uh, you know, regulation, um, you know, or, or some of these tech companies with more regulation. More geopolitical risk. <laughs> right. Well, there that, that could. That, yeah, right. Exactly. Well, you went from up big on growth to like up marginally. But why I'm bullish? That's why Let's I, get to why I'm bullish. I want to talk about you're that. Bu- I thought you said you were full of full of bear today. No, no, bull, bull, bull. Oh, bull! I'm I, bullish. I, oh. I'm the bull today. So you're so, the bear, huh? Yeah, you're the bear. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I hope I didn't hurt any, offend anybody's ears there. Anyway, too much. Dude, coffee, talk dude. to me. Down. Talk to me. We're talking about this a little bit. You were looking at an article on Ned Davis Research a little while ago and earnings. So so give me the earnings flavor right now. Ned was talking about it. If you don't know who Ned is, he's kind of a luminary on the research side. When Ned speaks, you should listen. Absolutely. He's, he's a pretty when, smart dude. When Ned speaks, we listen for sure. Uh, they're a partner of ours on the research side, but Ned's been around a long time. He knows what he's talking about. At any rate, let's take it's like a Bono's, quick look. like Ned knows. Let's, let's take a quick look at um, earnings season so far. 23 companies reporting in the S&P 500, about only 6% of the companies. So there's not much of a trend here. Yeah, but what's the expectation? 70% have reported and beat expectations on the earnings side, 74% on revenue side, big time. We're looking at 17.2% Oh, uh, you're talking of the companies that have reported. 70% three quarters have beat expectations. Beat. Gotcha. Right. All right, so I got a little confused it's there. It's going to be a really good earnings season. I, you know, Ned was talking about this. It's He's, been good for a while now. He was saying, and we got all this Russia collusion, this thing, that thing, the other thing, geopolitical risk. But let's get to the fundamentals here. I'm hoping that the fundamentals win out over the noise of the geopolitical discussion that's in the media That'd be every awesome. day, right? Yeah. So at this point, things should shift to what this earnings season looks like, and it's looking really strong. We're looking at one of the best earnings and revenue. Uh, growth trends that we have seen in a very, very long time, probably 40 years or so. This is hot. And we've got the wind at our backs because we've got the Tax Act, which reduces corporate taxes and increases earnings. You have another wind at your back, which is the humongous buybacks off of the repatriation bonanza that we talked about in um, our uh, podcast se- uh, session two here, you know, our, Se- season, our two. season two, season two. They're not me. sessions. They're oh, seasons. They're seasons. And oh, so I'm told. Yes. Yeah. Very official terminology when it comes to this stuff. But you know, this 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 earnings season is looking good. Ned says 
hey, you know, there's a little bit of a disparity between uh, S&P 500 analyst uh -huh. expectations and earnings presentations versus what the government's tracking. The government shows that earnings, which were up 17% uh, last year, uh -huh. right, on S&P numbers, was only up 2.7% on the government statistics. Well, what's wrong with that picture? I have that's, no that's idea. That's a big disparity. And you dude. know, the interesting thing is, one of the smartest guys when it comes to fundamental research on the planet, Ned Davis said he doesn't have a clue. Oh, boy. He doesn't know. Oh. He said, you know, it could be buybacks. Dude, dude. It could be people are, you know, companies are adjusting earnings, uh, but he cannot describe you, but you said this you were, large discrepancy. But, but you said you were bullish here. Is this sounding, this is sounding seriously negative no, at the no, moment. No. Ned says that the, Ned, Ned, Ned says, says, Ned says and the, the government says, the who earnings, do you believe? The earnings are, he thinks, are looking strong. Okay. He thinks that the trends are very strong, but a lot of it's been priced in already. So he's not quite happy uh -huh. right now. He's not delighted uh -oh. with the level of valuation. Are, how, but he thinks that the market might have a little what's room the to dividend? run. What's the dividend doctor say? What should we do here? Hey, man. We got to take a break, though. Hey, the dividend so, doctor So, whoa, says, whoa, 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 dividend doctor. Dividend right, doctor. Bring right, back. right bring when we get back. Dividend stocks are When hot, we baby. get back. Save hot. it. Save it, Don. All right. We'll be right back. Got dividends? The WBI Power Factor High Dividend ETF, WBIY, is a multi-factor smart beta ETF which aims to maximize income by combining the search for the highest dividend yield and the highest quality fundamentals. Interested in learning more? Go to WBIShares.com. All right, and we're back. Yo, so uh, Chainsaw Don, if you've been listening to this thing, it's dead. Dead. We got the dividend doctor the in. The dividend in doctor's the in. From, in the from here on out, the dividend doctor is in. And he is, is ready to diagnose... What you should do with your money right now. So we were talking. We got geopolitical risk. We've got you know negative news stories. We've got a little bit of a tech wreck recently. Don, what should people do? You're talking about fundamentals. Hey, and you so were man, hoping fundamentals should win out. What should people do? Should we be listening to the noise? Should we be looking at the fundamentals? What's the deal, Dividend so Don? The reason why I'm a bull is I like the fundamentals. I like the repatriation bonanza. Stock buybacks are going to help even make this story look a little bit better, should support stock prices. The thing I'm most excited about- So you're not worried about the, this news. I'm the dividend doctor. And what we want to do, right, is we want to make sure that we are investing in dividend-paying stocks. And I'm going to give you a, reason, a few reasons why. Why? Listen. Why dividends? Repatriation, all this capital inflow, is going to increase dividend payouts dramatically. Okay. So stock dividends are going higher. So you get paid to wait. Even even if the market's overvalued here, you get paid to wait for I higher get, prices, I right? I get a source of return through that dividend payout. Consistent, reliable. Consistent, reliable. Okay. Has nothing to do with stock price. If the market goes down, I still get my dividend. It right? offsets a little bit of that market move to the downside. So market goes it's down a, a couple percentage points, you get a couple percentage points in the dividend, you're all flat, right? Right. Most of the dividend stocks that they, they experience or show a value bias. How is value done relative to growth? Ooh, it's been a little bit of a brutal slug so far this year. You're talking down mid-single digits on value. And year last year, last year, value had about Same half the return of the Same thing. Uh, of, of the uh, blended indexes. The growth indexes outperformed even more dramatically. So I've got a value play that is really pretty undervalued from a stock pricing standpoint yeah. compared to growth stocks. You can buy low here. 
I like to buy low. And all these companies I love are to buy a lo- low. All these companies have good fundamentals. And the reason why we like value and dividend paying stocks is historically but they, over long periods of time, both good and bear market cycle, good and bad bear market cycles, good bull market cycles. Whoa, that's a lot there. The whole thing, right? Right. Full cycles. They outperform growth stocks dramatically. They haven't done so in the last 10 years. couple of years. Just the last few years, right? They right? haven't done so consistently. We've had this big tech blow up, you know, meaning prices have gone higher. Well, actually, they're coming- the darlings. And with the crowded trade into passives, they're the largest capitalization weighted stocks. And so their prices have escalated. Inflated. Inflated. Overinflated based on the the money flowing into the indexes. But let's let's talk about this a second. We just did a research uh, uh, project. Now, when we s- look for dividend-paying stocks, we have a couple of really important factors that we look at. One is payout ratio. So when you're buying a stock, you want to buy a stock that has a payout ratio somewhere. Well, wait a second. What's a payout ratio? So this is the percentage of earnings that a company is paying out. So if I have uh, $2 in earnings, if I pay out a dollar of that earnings in dividend, 50%, right? It's a 50% payout okay. ratio, right? So what I want to do is I want to get my get, buy dividend paying companies that are demonstrating a they're committed to the dividend, right? And so they are sharing a good percentage of their revenue with the or, shareholders I'm sorry, with their profit in a form of a dividend, a with return of capital, right, right, right. return to shareholders. I also like to see the sustainability of that, right? Right. And so you look at it over a period of time. But what you want to do, you don't want to buy companies that are at the high end of the payout ratio. There are companies that pay out more than 100% of current earnings in in dividends. Does that mean that they're possibly not saving for a rainy day then? Well, that's, that's that's a warning sign. So you want to be somewhere below 100 and somewhere above 20% dividend payout yeah because you don't want a greedy uh you know uh you well know. you don't want a de minimis hey man if i'm paying out 10 percent of my who cares uh, earnings, about the dividend you know they don't really care Board, boardroom doesn't care about the right. dividend so payout ratio is is really important someplace between a zero and a hundred percent we like the middle of the road the sweet someplace spot. between 20 and about 70 percent gotcha uh payout ratio in addition to that right uh-huh you want to make sure that the current dividend is fairly secure you never want to buy a company that has a financial problem that you can address currently through analyzing their balance sheet or their income statement whether they have too much debt or they're not earning enough and they might have to cut their dividend because if you cut the dividend it's it it, it telegraphs to it's the terrible. market you're in big trouble yeah, yeah, yeah. companies never cut their dividends only as a last recourse and so therefore what happens to the company when they do a cut is they get a massive price adjustment to the downside. So you want to make sure that there's enough cash flow sure. per share to cover the dividend. So what share. if you don't want to do it yourself? What do you do? So you want to find somebody who You has, can do it yourself, get Don's book, you know, all me, about dividend let, investing, let me, let me or just, if you don't. Wait a minute. Let me just finish this in this study that we just completed. You look back over the last 20 years, right? And you look at the Russell 3000, which includes gross stocks and dividend-paying stocks. There's about 1,100 dividend-paying stocks in the Russell 3000 index, about 1,100. Okay, yep, okay. And, and that would include small, mid, and large-sized companies. So Russell it's 3000. Russell 3000's the whole kind of broad market. Right, broad market includes large, 
mid and small cap. SMID usually outperforms uh, large caps over a period of time. Right. So if we take a look at just the dividend-paying stocks that are in the uh, Russell 3000, yep. and we use these couple of dividend factors to make sure that we have the right companies to invest in, payout ratio, cash flow coverage uh, ratio that we're talking about, yep. you want to have at least 1.0, meaning at least uh, enough cash flow to cover the dividend, we typically look at 1.2 or better, meaning that it has 120% current cash flow per share to cover a dollar of dividend per share, $1.20 for a dollar or more. Higher is better, right? When you look at that, you look at the Russell 3000 performance, that dividend paying stock set over the last 20 years, even with all the growth, growthy names that have done so well, which are included in the Russell 3000 index, the dividend-paying stocks outperform from a total return standpoint with dividends included two and a half times better, more performance, two and a half times the Russell 3000 index by itself. Dividend payers are a safer bet. Dividends, dividends have got your back. Dividends matter. Dividends do matter. Dividends really matter. So, uh, you know, Don, thanks for the insights today. Div di the Dividend Doctor is definitely in here in Season 3. And, hey, if you want more, you know, market-moving insights, you know, uh, insights about some of this market-moving news and stuff, check us out on Twitter, WBI CEO for Don, WBI President for me, Matt Schreiber. Uh, check us out on LinkedIn. Check out the company on LinkedIn. Check out Bull Bear Radio on Twitter and LinkedIn. We're all over the place. We got a little bit of something different on all those mediums. We're on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes. Thanks for listening to us. Share us with a friend. And uh, let's grow this, uh, this Bull Bear Radio community here in Season 3. Russell 3000 uh, dividend payer uh, study that I just talked about is available on WBI's website. WBIinvestments.com. You can pull it up from there. All right. Well, hey, we'll be uh, coming back at you next week. And uh, thanks for listening. This is Bull Bear Radio, where each week you can count on our real market news and advice. Catch all of our podcast episodes at WBIinvestments.com. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views presented are those of the podcast participants and should not be construed as investment advice. Podcast participants or clients of WBI may own stock discussed in this recording. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. This is not an offer to buy or sell any security. No security or strategy, including those referred to directly or indirectly in this podcast, is suitable for all accounts or profitable all of the time and there is always a possibility of loss. Moreover, you should not assume that any discussion or information provided here serves as a receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from WBI or from any other investment professional. To the extent that you have any questions regarding the applicability of any specific issue discussed to your individual situation, please consult with WBI or the professional advisor of your choosing. This information is compiled from sources believed to be reliable. Accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Information pertaining to WBI's advisory operations services and fees is set forth in WBI's disclosure statement in Part 2A Form ADB, a copy of which is available upon request. Although a company may pay a dividend, prices of equity securities, including those that pay dividends, fluctuate. Investing on the basis of dividends alone may cause an investor to buy or sell certain securities when circumstances may or may not be favorable. An investment in the fund is subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Investments in fixed income involve risk and may be adversely impacted when interest rates fall because the fund may be exposed directly or indirectly to lower yielding bonds. Investors should consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses carefully before investing. For prospectus and summary prospectus, visit W. 
www.bbishares.com or call 1-800-772-5810. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Foresight Fund Services Distributor.